0: Being moved by something that is counter to what the Spirit of God is saying? Can God trust me to be moved by what He's saying over being moved by what my emotions might be speaking, over what my flesh might be saying? He says the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Spirit. And so we've been talking in this particular area about this area of the inward witness. How do I know for sure that the Spirit of God is, is leading me in a certain direction? How do I know that when I get this leading on the inside of me, that's God speaking to me and I need to go this direction? How do, what kind of check marks should I have that are just, just really things that we should do on a regular basis? Because if I want to know whether or not this is God or this is my flesh, then we need to have some checks. We need to start examining these leadings that we have. We also understand that when God speaks, he never speaks anything that is in contradiction to his written word. So I don't care Captain Christian that comes to me and tells me that God said this, but it doesn't match the word, that wasn't God. But how do I begin to trust that this leading, this thing, that I think God's, 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 Prompted me in my inner man, in my heart is of God versus it's not of God. And that's what we've been talking about at this particular junction of this series. The first area that we talked about is how do I begin to check this inward witness is to check my motives, to check my motives. What is the reason why I want to do this? And this is the thing about it. Again, God doesn't play favors. He doesn't, he doesn't He doesn't call it the way you want it to be called. He calls balls and strikes. If it's something that God's leading you to, then you got to have a recognition on the inside of you as to what is your motivation for this thing. It may be a godly thing, but because God is leading you in that direction, it might be a thing in which you got to check whether or not he's saying move now. Is the timing correct? And sometimes what begins to happen is God will lead us in a certain direction, but he gives you the vision. and He doesn't tell you to take the step. And if you get out of position by taking the step earlier than when he says take the step, then you have to maybe ask yourself, why did I take the step this early? Maybe I got a little, little ahead of God. Maybe it's something in my life where, where, yeah, I had the motivation to do the thing of God, but I did not have the right motives as far as waiting on God's timing. God's timing for what he calls us to do is vitally important. You can be a righteous person trying to do a righteous thing, but you get ahead of God and you still are wrong. And then the question when you start examining that, why did I get ahead of God? Because I got overly eager to do something when God said, I need you to do that in the future, but I need you to be faithful in the assignment that I'm giving you right now. I got to check my motives. When I believe God is calling me into something, what is motivating me first? The second area we say we got to check is check our root of love. Check our root of love. When we indicated to you what this root of love is, is this vertical relationship that you have with God. The Bible says in Romans chapter five and verse five at the very bottom, because God's love has been abundantly they the amplified, has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is who was given to us. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The root of love is in place. The first fruit of the Spirit or the manifestation of the fact that the Spirit of God is on the inside of you. It begins to manifest first in this area of love because of this vertical relationship that we have with God. The vertical relationship that we have with God has to be in its proper place. For us to be able to be used of God. You can't say, Lord, I believe God's calling me to do this. And, and you don't recognize that, that this is how God operates. This is his essence. That he's always the voice of truth. He's always the voice of love. He's always the voice of faith. The vertical relationship is what allows you to discern whether or not this is God leading you in this direction. Because I have my relationship with God in his proper seat. I don't question whether or not God loves me. I know this. I don't question whether or not God loves you because I know this because my vertical relationship is in its proper seat. This next area that we talked about is this area of that we gotta check our faith walk. Our faith walk. Uh, does this require, does this require faith? Which means do I, does it require that I trust God? Anything God calls you into, any place that he's leading you, it's always going to require that you walk by faith. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. So then faith is required for every place, every leading that he is directing in and of your life. It's going to require faith. It's going to require, dare I say, that you trust him, which means I have to trust him more than what I see. Because what I see cannot have a greater representation to me than what he said. What he said to speak louder to you than what you see so that you can tell whatever you see you are subject to change because I know that my God is able to perform it. So I believe what he said over what I see. This it has to be in its proper place when I ask, ask the question whether or not God is leading me. Do I have this area of faith built up to be able to take the step? Well, I submit to you, if God is leading you in a certain direction, then yes, you have the ability to take the step. You remember the story of Peter when when he said, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come out of the boat. And Peter gets out of the boat and he gets to walking. Now, eventually he does sink, but he does walk. Walking on the impossible is when you walk on the word of God more than what you see. The waves of life do come in. The winds of life do come in. The sounds of the storm do show up. But I can continue to walk on the impossible just like Peter when I continue to meditate and stay focused on what he said over what I in fact see. You only begin to sing when you begin to concentrate, give more focus to the external things and not focus in on what he said said. So when God leads me in a certain direction, I got to check this root of faith. Now, we are in this section here (laughs) as the number four, and we've been talking about this for the last couple of of sessions, and we're going to continue to dwell here because we got to make sure this this is in its proper seat as well. We got to check does this leading bring life to a situation or a circumstance? When God is leading me, does it bring life to a situation or a circumstance? And we indicated to you the word life, we're talking or we're using it in this definition of does it cause vitality? Well, what is vitality? Does it cause things to grow, to change to, for the better, to grow and to change for the better? We understand the, the opposite of the word life, therefore, is the word death. That now died, now you don't show up in the situation, everybody just there. But things getting worse. People don't like each other. Can't stand each other. They, they seem to cuss each other out more. It is something, something. You know, you ever been around folks that when they come in the door, they just have a toxic spirit about them. That everything that that it seemed things were going well until you showed up. Then you are a person that stirs up the pot. Well, you're not somebody that is causing life in a situation. As a Christian, you know, that's what we should be, that when we show up, people are like, I don't know what it is, but when she's working, things seem to flow better. When she's working or when he's working, things people seem to get along better together. I noticed a couple years ago when I was working um, for the state that... Um, I used to work on a three-man crew, and sometimes it may be turned into a six-man crew. And when I used to work, you know, everybody seemed to get along, be laughing and smiling. Uh, There was a guy I used to work with. They say he cussed at everybody, used to cuss, cuss, cuss all the time. But when I was working, he never cussed at anybody. They used to say, boy, and i tell you what, he seems to, you know, just, he seems to get along with you better. Oh, there was one day that I didn't work. Was one day I think I had to go to the doctor and I didn't work. And I came back and they said, oh, yeah, Mr. What's his name? He cussed him slam out that day. <laughs> I said, Lord Jesus. <laughs> and I began to be reminded of the fact that, no, where you go, you're supposed to cause life. <laughs> you're supposed to bring life to a situation. Because you are bringing your relationship with God into the situation. When God is leading me into a situation Maybe that's the reason why you're sent to a certain job You're thinking it's about the money God said no it's about you bringing me there Maybe you think that maybe the money is not enough But God you seem to be leading me there God's saying can you trust me for the money And then just go to this job Because I need some light in this dark spot Can I be a person that's assigned Instead of a person that's always got my hand out Looking for me to meet my needs Instead of trusting God can God direct my path to cause vitality, to cause things to become alive? So ultimately, we are talking about areas of the relationship with humans, the relationship with people. We said before in John chapter 13 and verse 34, John chapter 13 and verse 34, out of the King James Version of the Bible. It says, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. And we've indicated to you, and I want to continue to reiterate the fact that he said, this is a commandment that I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Verse 35 says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So loving one another first in the body of Christ then becomes something that should be important to us because our Lord and Savior said this is a commandment and it's not a suggestion. Getting along with my brother and sister in the Lord becomes vitally important. What we said in the past when we talk in terms of a commandment it is it is a commandment is to have the truth. It is to have truth in our possession. Well, what is true? It is God's intent for life, it says, his original intent. He says, for the brethren, the sisters, brothers and sisters to walk in love, this is the truth of my original intent for you as it is pertaining to life. To have his commandments, therefore, means that to obey his commandments means I submit, therefore, to the truth. If I have his commandments, that means I have his original intent. And then submitting to the truth means I am submitting to his original intent for life. John chapter 14 and verse 21 says, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. So my love is authenticated through my keeping the commands of God. You can't say that you love God and you don't do nothing he says for you you to do. Jesus said, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and you don't do nothing I say. So he says, to love one another is not a suggestion, it is a commandment. Let's keep going here. He says, the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them now, the the amplifier says it like this at the latter part. He says, "And I will love him and reveal myself to him, and I will make myself real to him." Maybe the reason why you see somebody else they have this dynamic relationship with God, and you're like, "Why don't I have a relationship with God like that?" It's because you're not a commandment keeper. He says, if you keep my commandments, then my presence, my my word will become real to you. What does that essentially mean? It becomes so much of an ingrained lifestyle to you that the spirit of God now is able to unfold, reveal, and illuminate areas of truth in your life. To submit to truth then grants you revelation of God. To submit to truth grants you revelation of God, his purposes, his plans within life. You want to know the reason why you don't have the heart of God? It's because you are not a commandment keeper. <laughs> you want to know why is it that God doesn't ever seem to speak to you? Because he said, I only speak to my children. You keep acting like you ain't one of mine. To submit to truth. You know that word submission is something that is, is misused. To submission means I come under the mission thereof. And particularly when we're talking about men, there's so many men that are just simply unsubmitted people. They're rebels, if you will. They think that by being a rebel, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do that you're not submitting to something. And the reality is you're actually submitting to the kingdom of darkness. So you're going to be submitted to one or the other. You're going to either be submitted to the kingdom of God or you're going to be submitted to the kingdom of darkness. But you are going to be submitted to the one or the other. The difference is the Bible says that the devil is the father of lies. And one of the key and chief things that he does, he lies to you to tell you, you don't need to submit to God. You can do your own thing. And in reality, you're submitting to him. You're going to be linked up with somebody one way or the other. Now, let's keep going. On slide number 51... (laughs) The horizontal relationship has to do with my relationship with people. And we said this first comes from practical living and it has to do with love flowing from us to one another. It has to do with practical living and it has to do with our love flowing from our relationship with God to other people, extending to my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so on Thursday night, we begin looking at this area, things that bring life to a situation and a circumstance, and we went over this area of the concept of the neighbor. Love one another or love thyself as thy neighbor is a key element. He says that in, over in Romans that we don't we have an obligation not to owe anybody anything except that we love one another. And love works no ill towards his neighbor. And so on Thursday night we look at and examine what does it mean to be a neighbor? What does it mean to be a neighbor? The first thing we indicated to you is that Jesus defines what it is in verse 25 to 37 with the parable of the... Um, the parable of the good Samaritan. We examined this because of the fact we wanted to see what are these key principles that he is trying to tell us about kingdom citizens and how they operate. How they deal with people that may be, may be complete strangers. The first thing we saw in regards to that is that if we're going to be a neighbor to someone, it means that we intentionally give of ourselves. We give of ourselves uh, the things in our possessions. It's not something that we haphazardly do, but it's something that we do on purpose. The good Samaritan gave of his own donkey. He gave of his own uh, wine and oils in order to treat somebody that he didn't know. When I say I love God, it begins to extend to the folks that don't know God. It comes from the relationship that I have, that I give of myself, of my possessions. We also said that to the way Jesus defines this king, the principle of neighbor, he says it lifts others even at personal inconvenience. A neighbor lifts others. You know that's what we should be doing? That when people get around you, they feel like they've been lifted up, not put down. They feel like that when I'm around you spending time with you, I am being elevated in the way I am with you. Instead of being deteriorated or corrupted or brought low, I am a neighbor to someone. They feel like I am being placed on a higher position. Which also means that when I'm being a neighbor to someone, they shouldn't necessarily feel like they're being judged by you. And that doesn't mean that I don't have, or when you're around me, you don't feel convicted. To be convicted has everything to do with the fact that I have a relationship with God, and I've been in the presence of God, and now you feel the fact that you haven't been doing the things that you should be doing. But it ain't got nothing to do with me. From me, what you're getting from me is the sense of love. I love God, and because I love God... That love is convicting you of the fact that what you've been doing, how you've been operating, what you've been acting like is not in agreement with him. That's the reason why Christians in a backslidden state, when they get around somebody that knows God, been spending time with God, they feel convicted convicted of the fact that yeah you know you know what i've been saying to you you know how you've been ignoring me for the last couple days you know how i have leaving because of the fact when somebody's flowing in the things of god i can sense it because when the spirit of god moves in on the inside of you he's always convincing you to come back to a righteous position but that judgment has to do with has to do with whether or not i am responding to a person with a judgmental attitude that I'm putting them down. That I am sitting in a position where I'm saying that they are less than I am. I am sitting in a seat of, of superiority instead of sitting in a, pos- a position of love. God says this is not how the Christian is supposed to operate. This is what it really means that we shouldn't shouldn't be in judgment or sit in judgment of other people. That I don't sit in a position in which I am condemning them instead of loving them. Now I don't, that doesn't mean that I don't... I agree with everything you're doing, but what it does mean is that I am not God, God is. Now, you ask me what I think about it, I'm going to tell you what God says about it. And even in that, I'm not judging you, it's God that is determining right and wrong. This is one of the reasons why when you're ministering, when you teach or do any of these kind of things, man, you stick with the scripture and keep your opinion out of it. Because let the scriptures, let God be God, let God be the judge, and you not do any of that. So Jesus defines a neighbor as one that lifts another. Jesus also defines a neighbor as one that invests in others, the improvement in others. And he also defines the Good Samaritan in this scenario as he fosters a genuine relationship. He fosters a genuine relationship. It's not a one time hit or miss. It is something that's ongoing. Something that's ongoing. It's something that, that yes, yes, he, he took care of him in an instant, in a moment, but he put him on his donkey, he carried him down to the inn, and then he told the innkeeper, hey, look, if this is not enough money to take care of his needs, when I come back, I will check on his status, which means that I am looking to have an ongoing relationship. I'm not just someone that shows up to put something in your hand and I walk away and you'll never see me again. God says, I want you to become a neighbor. To become a neighbor to someone, that means that I foster a genuine relationship with folks. You know, that's the reason why a lot of people don't like Christians is because they are inauthentic. One of the reasons why they don't like being around church folks is because they're inauthentic. That you really don't believe in me. You really are not caring about me you only want the snapshot you only want to do it when it's christianese time but you're not willing to get down in the mud with me i thank god that god does not operate this way that he's willing to get down into the muck and the mire to bring and
1: lift us out amen if you're joining us this morning by way of social media If you're joining us here in the house for the first time, we'd like to welcome you. We'd like to thank you for taking the time to join us today here at the training center on behalf of Pastor AC Smith and myself, Lady Aisha Smith. We'd like to welcome you. We thank you for being with us this morning. If you've been joining us for social media, through social, If you've been joining us by way of social media and this ministry has had an impact on your life, we'd like to hear from you. If by chance you have a testimony that you'd like to share with us about the word that Pastor A.C. Smith has given and how it has changed your life, we'd like to hear from you. Please reach out and contact us at our website or on our social media outlets to let us know how this ministry has been a blessing to your life. If you have a testimony that you like to share about the word of God that Pastor A.C. Smith is delivering to you and how it is impacting your life, we'd definitely like to hear from you and rejoice with you. Again, thanks for joining us here at TTC. We're located here in Gastonia, North Carolina at 1314 West 2nd Avenue. Thank you again for joining us here with Pastor A.C. Smith and the Training Center Church.